0: Welcome to the Early Career Moves Podcast, the career strategy podcast for BIPOC folks in their 20s and 30s trying to figure out their next career move. I'm your host, Priscilla Weninger Bolcha, Latinx career coach, former talent recruiter, and human capital management consultant. Each Friday, I'll share an actionable tip to help you on your career change journey so that you can job search with confidence, land amazing job offers, and get on with your life. Let's get started. Hey everyone, today I'm really excited to introduce to you Rosita Tran Reyes. Rosita is a Vietnamese Mexican-American woman from San Antonio. She was a Teach for America core member in Miami, Florida with me back in the day. That was nearly a decade ago. And on this episode, she talks about how she made her career moves throughout the last 10 years, pivoting out of the education nonprofit world into the corporate world into a finance institution, and then now she works at Meta in Big Tech. She's a service designer, employee experience division, and she also got her Master of Arts in a degree called Human Dimensions of Organizations, which is sounds a lot like organizational psychology and how it plays out in the real world. So really excited to have you hear her story. We touch on a lot of topics that, especially women of color, we face. For example, a lot of us have a hard time owning up to our strengths and our superpowers and talking about them in interviews, and she talks about her journey to do so and also how she tackled her own career change journey. All right, y'all, enjoy. Talk to you later. All right, everyone, I'm so excited to welcome Rosita Reyes onto today's show. Rosita is a former kind of like a colleague slash friend from our Teach for America Miami Days it's crazy to think that it's already been a decade since we were in Oklahoma training to be a teacher, trying to figure out what that meant and then failing massively as first year teachers in Miami, Florida.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> 100%. Man, a decade, you gave me goosebumps. No <laughs> way. There's no way that much time has passed. I don't know. But it's- yeah. And now we're both in Texas,
0: not too far away from each other, living totally different lives, especially career wise, but also just personally, like so much has happened. But thank you for coming and being you know, willing to talk about your career experiences, how you've gotten to where you are today. Tell us a little bit about your own background, just like a little personal, you
1: know, blurb on who you are. And then maybe tell us like what you're doing today. Yeah. Okay. So I'm Rosita Reyes. I am currently a service designer at Meta. I am the oldest daughter of immigrants to the U.S. I am half Mexican, half Vietnamese, and I grew up in very similar to probably the majority of your listeners in a socioeconomic disadvantaged community, I guess is the correct way to say it. I was the first in my family to go to and through college, so I am a first-generation college graduate on top of being first-generation American on my dad's side. And I not only went to undergrad, but I went to grad school as well. I'm a service designer. And so what a service designer does, and there's actually a lot of different when folks think designer in the tech space, like the first thing that comes to your mind is what we consider big D, right? So like the thing, the UI that you play with on the screen, the things that you interact with, and that is super cool. But don't ask me to create something for you, because it's going to be stick figures. What I do is I really pay attention to more of the user experience and connecting both what the user is experiencing, not only from a front end perspective, but then also ensuring that the tools in the background are actually connected to that and enabling what the user needs. So I kind of play on both sides, I serve as like a general translator between like, Business needs and what the business is looking for, also ensuring that the user is getting what they need out of it, right? They have jobs that need to get done and so does the business. And so finding that right balance and right mix is where service design really thrives, I'd say. Very cool.
0: Well, yeah. So, you know, you're definitely working at a a really cool company that's often in the headlines and people talk a lot about like working in a fang company. And I guess now it's Mang, right? (laughs) (laughs) And so my husband also worked at Meta previously and and like absolutely loved his experience. Like what made you decide to pivot into tech as an industry? Because I think this is your first
1: job in tech, right? Sort of. So big tech, absolutely. Especially what one would consider like classic tech. Absolutely. Yeah, I echo your husband. I'm actually just like absolutely loving myself and my experience and my time at Meta. I've been here for a little less than a year, but just loving it. So first generation college graduate decided, oh, man, what am I going to do? Went into teaching, decided Teach for America was the right spot for me because I saw students like me who needed the help I needed. Right. And so that was really great for me to kind of give back. And then From TFA, I took a look at what, how can I be impactful, right? And how can I better serve and representation matters? And I decided to go to grad school. And then from grad school, I kind of was at this weird inflection point where I, I knew I was mission driven. But I didn't know what that meant outside of the education world. And I knew I wanted to break into just different industries, right? Like I knew I still personally needed to grow. I think eventually I'll boomerang back into education, but I needed to grow. And so I actually went into like, I don't want to call it fintech, but it was definitely like the finance industry and they were trying to go the technical route, right? So they were undergoing a lot of digital transformation. And so I kind of snuck in there. So in Teach for America, we talk a lot about being impactful and making transformational change. And so that's kind of where I saw some parallel in the finance industry in the sense that they were going from being very manual to trying to be very digital, right? And so I kind of applied a lot of Really everything I learned from TFA and just instead of education and like the learner will, it was more like, what are these processes, you know, how do we automate them instead of having them be manual, kind of seeing that lens and getting a flavor for Oh, this digital transformation This is so applicable to the things that I've done so far. It really opened my eye to other tech and tech adjacent fields. So I went and I got my PMP for a project management professional. I've been a program manager and then I became a product manager and ended up leading one of the largest, oh, I don't know what you would want to call it, customer service portals, trying to speak generic here. And it, you know, it really built up my self-esteem and also my confidence that you know all the things that I learned and applied in the classroom, a hundred percent just like related and were translate transferable. Excuse me, over and you know I really actually wasn't looking for a thing or main job. That was always the goal, right? In terms of like, oh, it's always so great. Like, wouldn't it be great to be at a big tech company or big at these like what you would almost call like glamorous companies, right? But I really wasn't looking. I was actually really happy with where I was. I was making a huge impact. The financial company I was at was mission driven. I was seeing my impact not only from the user's perspective and alleviating their pain points, but also, you know, I was seeing the business impact, right? And the cost savings I was able to get. And I had a recruiter reach out to me and said, hey, you fit the profile of what we're looking for. And I had never heard of a service designer before. And I was like, well, I mean, it's meta. Honestly, I'll be honest with you, Priscilla. I actually thought they were, I thought it was a fishing exercise. I was like, there's no way this could be real. Who is this recruiter from meta reaching out to me? And yeah, I ended up taking the call on a whim with the recruiter. And then the next day the recruiter said, Hey, you've passed on to the second round of interviews. And I was like, wait a minute, I didn't even realize I was being interviewed. And so when things kind of fit, they just do. And I didn't want to say no. And I really loved being a product manager. And I loved where I was at. But I think this growth was necessary. And I'm still able to see how everything I did in the classroom and everything I did when I was in education is still transferable to this day.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's really good to know. So you weren't necessarily like on an active job search, it like they came to you, you were found, I'm assuming via LinkedIn or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, that makes it sound like such a Cinderella story. <laughs> and I tell like all the listeners out there, like, it's a grind. Like, don't like, yes, they did reach out to me. But I was constantly and I'm sure your, your, you know, your listeners can relate. I'm constantly thinking about you know what's my personal brand right like what is it that i'm learning if i'm not learning i'm earning and if i'm not earning i'm learning and if i'm doing neither what do i need to do to push myself forward right and i think when you come out of the like structure that you know school and college university gives you you know you kind of feel like you're free floating and you need some structure and so for me that was just trying to understand you know what's my own brand like what am i bringing to the table and what's needed Right. And so I was constantly on a search, I would say quasi obsessed with, okay, what business problems are you facing right now? And even if I didn't under like, I would not consider myself to be yes, I worked in the financial industry, but I am not your financier, right? Like, yes, I work in the tech industry. But as I mentioned earlier, do not have me create wireframe mockups for you, right? I think you have to understand, like, what is your like value, like what are your superpowers? And then use radical empathy to say, okay, how can I use the powers that I have to help you solve your problem? And I think that's what I did when I entered the classroom every day, right, with my students. And I had students at different reading levels, way below their actual grade level reading level. And it's, you know, how do I meet you where you're at knowing that you didn't eat breakfast that morning or, you know, you have home insecurity and, you know, just other things that plague kind of inner city schools in America, which I don't have to tell you, you know, same concept, same structure, just different audience. And so I just constantly did that. And I was constantly revising my LinkedIn and my resume and gathering certifications because when people talk to me and I said, oh, I was an elementary school teacher, they think, oh, you did story time and circle time. And it's like, No, actually I use data to drive my classroom forward. Yeah. And I don't think that people really, you know, have that mental model, right? And so I had to find a way to translate all the things I knew I was doing in the classroom that were directly, you know, relevant in the business space. I had to find the language to do that and kind of going through Like being like very inquisitive and saying, what do you need? Okay, what role does that? Oh, a project manager? Okay, is there like a certification out there so that I can put it behind my name so that you can think that I'm a credible human? Okay, I will go do that. And it gave me the language and the structure so that people could actually hear what it was that I was trying to say. So kind of going back to what you were saying, yes, they did reach out to me, but that was like after just years of just constantly refining, you know, who am I? What are the values that I bring to the table? And how can I get better? And Priscilla, the journey's just started. Like I'm nowhere near where I want to be or where I know I can be.
0: Yeah, I think your story is a really good one of like staying ready, like stay ready for the opportunities when they do come knocking on your door. I know you when we talked before you were like, I did this graduate degree maybe earlier than I should have. You were just like on the hunt thinking early, like, how do I move up in my career? What's my next step? The resume, the LinkedIn, all of that polishing and like the certifications and How do I translate this? Like, that is like, that is a lot of work. And so you're right. It's like every little step that you took got you closer to like that LinkedIn recruiter seeing your profile and saying like, oh, this person totally has the skills that we're looking for. So I think that's a very asset. And did you realize like, I want to leave education for sure and like try to make this move into, you know, corporate world or the, you know, the roles that you've had since. And what role did your master's play in that? Because I know you, you tell us a little bit about the master's too.
1: Yeah. So I am a proud UT graduate, Hookup. I went to my program is Human Dimensions of Organizations. And at the time that I applied, it was their third year with the program. So it was highly selective, highly competitive, really tiny cohort. It was fabulous, really, the kind of relationships you got to build with your cohort there. And What they did was they actually used, it's almost like a cross section of like organizational psychology and like some MBA courses, you know, like it, what it does, is it uses liberal arts to to turn you into like a mini internal consultant, right? Like, what make organizations tick? What makes the humans inside those organizations tick? What are the internal motivators and behaviors behind them? And then how do we get down to the no kidding root causes of what's going wrong, and then create an actionable plan to remedy that that will be heard not only from like a, a human perspective, right? Like it can resonate to humans, but also you can get like corporate leadership to to understand and hear it. So I think it actually very much so goes hand in hand with this theme you said about like, translating and being ready, right? It's almost 101 how to translate your needs in a way that, you know, businesses and corporations can hear you. And so that was, that was such a wonderful program. I highly recommend for all of those, all of you all looking out there for graduate programs, HDO at UT, it's a fine program, shameless plug there. And so your question was, how did that play into me pivoting out of education? So actually, I'm going to turn that question on its head. When I graduated undergrad and told my friends and family I was going to be a teacher, everyone actually laughed at me. They were like, no, you're going to corporate world. Like, what are you doing being a teacher? Like, you spent your whole life trying to graduate and trying to get out of the classroom, you know, to go do big things. To what? Just go back into the classroom? And not even as a professor, but to go back to like, the classrooms you came from essentially. And, you know, I really, it was a head scratcher for me too. I really had to do a lot of reflecting about like, why am I doing this? But ultimately I needed to do it right. I needed to address that part of me. And I feel like help some of the students who were in my position, like just a few short years prior. And so the decision to leave education was actually really hard for me. I ended up staying past my two year TFA commitment to stay a third year. My administration wanted me to stay longer, but I knew if I stayed any longer, I would be stuck. And I don't mean stuck in a negative way. I think absolutely the education field needs bright talent with a sense of urgency, particularly our inner city schools. But I knew that I would not be satisfied. And I would become complacent. And that is never who I am or who I want, where I want to be. But I didn't know where I wanted to go, Priscilla, right. And so, again, like, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like the running theme of my career has been, what does Rosita want to do? And it's been a lot of like, testing and learning, honestly, right. It's been a lot of, you know, dreaming about it, you know, having informal interviews with folks that are in those spaces, kind of, you know, testing it out and saying, okay, what does a day in the life look like here, testing it out for short periods of time, getting, gaining whatever knowledge I can, and then like adding that into like the tapestry of the values and services that I offer as Rosita. And then like moving forward and saying, okay, what's next? Or what don't I know? Or what problem do I want to solve now? And yeah, I just knew I needed to go to graduate school to help expose me to those problems. And so that was role graduate school played for me was just honestly exposure to other world problems and like to just get my brain excited about what other things... Can I go explore? Which led me to the financial industry of all places. Again, when I told my family, they were like, What are you going to do in banking? And I'm like, What am I not going to do in banking? Now, you know, being at Meta. So at this point, my family no longer questions my moves. They're just like, Okay, sure, you know. But that was the role graduate school played. It just kind of exposed me to different roles like change management, project management, lean Six Sigma, you know, you name it. it. It was really cool. That's awesome. Was that a one
0: year or a two year? Fifteen month program. Okay, nice. So, yeah. like year and a half ish.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, one thing that I encounter a lot when I work with people, helping them change careers, especially women, women of color, is like mm. this hesitancy to like own our accomplishments, our strengths, and to speak. Confidently about them, especially in interviews, when it's like the most important, it's like the highest stakes conversation you can have, right? With a recruiter who's asking you about your experience. How did was it something that you struggled with in terms of like, am I coming across as too like I'm bragging or you know humility? Like, is this something that you have struggled with at
1: all? Oh my gosh, you hit the nail on the head, and and especially you know I mentioned earlier I'm half Mexican, half Vietnamese, but I'm the eldest daughter and I grew up mainly in my, you know, Latina culture and so we have this like you can't come off braggadocious, you have to be humble and you have to be grateful but at the same time you better be on it, you know. And so you have all these like competing kind of voices in your head all while you're trying to be on your A game, right? Cuz the stakes are high. The way I've learned to approach that and look, this is still a journey and this is still this is definitely a practice a science and an art. For me, it's always helpful when I can frame things up in how am I helping you being the eldest daughter, I am always helping someone else. And I feel very comfortable in that space, right? Like rolling up my sleeves and saying, what's the problem? And how do we move forward to help? And so when I apply that to myself, and when I'm trying to, I mean, honestly, sell myself, What I like to do is, you know, listen to what's your problem, right? And really try to understand what is the problem or what's the type of role or person you're looking for. And then I look back and think about, hey, when have I solved a similar problem like that in my past? And then I go into, it's just a mindset shift, right? It's a reframing of here's how I can help. And in explaining how I can help, I am, of course, sharing you know my strengths and the value, and I'm you know narrating out loud my thought process and how I think through a problem. So I'm almost modeling in the moment how I would approach something, which ultimately that's what your interviewer wants to see, right? Is like how do you solve a problem? How do you critically think? Um, but for me, it helps me get past that hurdle of, oh my gosh, I'm not being. Humble enough, I'm being too braggadocious, or I'm overselling myself. You know, I never want to get to a point where I'm, you know, over promising and under delivering, especially in an interview, right? Like that would be such a awful bait and switch. But when I frame it up as, hey, here's how I can help you, or here's one way to help. Um, It puts it in it it reframes the conversation in a space that I feel like I can be my authentic self. And that passion actually does come through and show through and I'm able to be, you know, real authentic with it. So I love that. And authentic for me means really corny. I'm like the queen of corn. Um, So. Yeah.
0: Like you like to solve problems and to be of service. It's like service and impact. You're talking about it in a different way. It's not in a self-serving way. It's not even self-centered. It's actually like centered outwards. And that's probably what makes it feel so natural and so good to you. Yeah, 100%. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So networking, is this something that you just do naturally all the time? Did, Did you feel like it helped you get to where you are today in your career moves?
1: What like those info chats you were talking about? Yeah, I feel really I have a very visceral reaction to the word networking is it's daunting. And it is Especially when the stakes are high, you, you put a lot, you tend to put a lot of pressure on yourself. And I know your listeners can probably, you know, empathize with that. So networking is another thing. And you know, all the stats and all the research are there, right? Like the majority of people who get jobs do so by networking and not through their direct ties, but through their indirect ties. And the how do you grow your indirect ties? Well, you do it via networking? So this like scary N word comes back again. <laughs> and so for me, I had to, you know, have another mindset shift, right? And so the way I looked at it was I'm exploring and I am a lifelong learner and people, one, people love to hear themselves talk and two, people love to help. Right. So if they feel like they are personally helping, there's a little bit of investment and that actually can go a long way. And so I did, I'd be lying if I said I did not do any cold calls because that is absolutely false. I did do a couple of cold. LinkedIn messages to some folks in at the time, I thought I wanted to be a change manager. So some change management practitioners that put on their LinkedIn profile that they were open to discussing this. So it's not like I spammed a bunch of people. And I was very considerate and cautious about how I worded things so that they knew I was serious and that I wasn't like spamming them or, you know, a fishing exercise. And I asked to meet I asked if I could, this was pre COVID. So I asked if I could meet up with them and buy them coffee and just meet with them for as little as 15 minutes, because I knew their calendars were crazy, or we could do a phone call. I don't think this would happen in our current COVID world. But pre COVID, I was actually shocked by how many people said yes to meeting up in person and having a cup of coffee. And I mean, I was a complete stranger to them. And really, I was I just viewed myself as an investigative journalist, almost not, hey, I'm Rosita looking for a job, please give me a job. But more so like, hey, your role seems really interesting. I know nothing about change management. Can you just tell me what a day in the life looks like? And what kind of problems, you know, keep you up at night? And you know, why did you get into this? And, you know, what's your favorite thing about your job? And what's your worst thing about your job? I really wanted to just understand them and why they were in it. And then I always ended it with, can you, are there, you know, is there anyone else you think I should talk to in this space? And that actually opened up the doors to meeting with more people. So I found a more one-on-one approach and it was scary putting myself out there. But if It was almost like wearing a costume, right? Priscilla, like, oh, I'm not Rosita looking for a job. I'm Rosita, an investigative journalist. (laughs) You know, they're going to love telling me about their day. And it actually turned into, you know, some folks, it actually turned into some job offers. Some folks really liked my line of questioning and they were like, oh, wow, you have a lot of passion or, you know, they wanted to know a little bit more about me. And so it did generate some job offers. I turned down, a majority of them, because I knew exactly what I wanted. And that's another thing you have to be ruthlessly, you have to prioritize ruthlessly. Because if you literally are just going for a job, if you jump at the first thing, you might not be positioning yourself well. So yeah. like, actually listen to what they're saying. And then think to yourself, like, okay, like, no kidding. Do you, do I think I can do that? Like, if I listen to their worst day, could that be my every day? And like having those serious like almost one-on-one conversations with yourself, right? And reflecting on that. So it is scary. And that's why I'm so grateful I didn't have to network to get into the role I'm in now. (laughs) Yeah. But I did have to do that coming out of grad school, going into, you know, like corporate America.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I always tell people like it's always good to just continue to like keep that network warm for when you might need it unexpectedly, like never get out of practice. And the more you do it, honestly, like the easier it becomes. And it just feels like you're just like having a chat
1: with someone and it's not a big deal, right? Yeah, it kind of goes back to what you said earlier, right? Like staying ready and just you know, always tapping into your network, it's going to be really helpful. I'd be lying if I said that I'm really good at it. But again, it's a practice. <laughs> right? So
0: yeah. And actually, one thing I will say quickly, when I was in business school, there were people who were definitely books smarter than me in school. And like, this was what stressed them out the most about the whole experience. So it's just really interesting. Like, it's just this networking thing. It's hard. It's not for everyone.
1: You're so right. Something that helps me think through that, right? Like, cause they're definitely like, even where I work now, i at full of really like amazingly bright humans. Right. And also in grad school, everyone was super bright and you can't help but compare yourself to where they're at. And that's fine. That's a human thing. Like don't try to fight it, but something to always anchor to is okay, but what are your superpowers? And I love the word superpower. I think it gives permission For you to think of yourself in a fanciful way, almost to be playful and silly about it. But it really allows you to explore it because if you approach it too serious, you know, like, oh, what are the values or what are my strengths that I bring? Like, it can get kind of stuffy. But if you're like, oh, my superpower is talking to people and getting them to divulge their deepest, darkest secrets, you know, like, that is a superpower. You built a whole podcast around it and you have uh, like thousands of listeners, right? I think always, you know, try to hone in like, you have superpowers too like hold on to that and nurture that and one of my favorite quotes is actually from Dolly Parton is figure out who you are and do it on purpose right and so whatever your superpower is like own it and then figure out when is a great time to use it. And then, you know, alternatively, figure out when it's probably not the best time to roll out that superpower, right? That's also a superpower in <laughs> itself, yeah. is knowing not to use your superpower.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And like making way for others.
1: <laughs> yeah, like giving space, right? Yeah. Like you always want to like grant space for others to come in because, you know, I really do feel like your energy attracts energy, right? Like your vibe attracts your tribe kind of things. So- 100
0: Yeah. Amazing. Well, this is a great place to end. Thank you so much, Rosita, for being with us. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for listening today. Make sure you head over to ecmpodcast.com slash free course and sign up for my free job search training course. I teach you the three things that you need to know before you go into a job search process. My goal is to help you change careers with confidence and ease so you can move on with your life. I'll see you next week.